in parenting. Thanks for the questions that have landed already. They're really good. We will um, try and make time to put them to our guest and do keep them coming in if you would like to uh, get them put directly to her. We'll try and get in as many as we can. A child trying to avoid school is a tale as old as time. But what do you do if you're having that battle every morning and school is causing your child real distress? Emotional-based school avoidance is when a child genuinely feels like they can't go to school, often because of anxiety, stress or worry. The impact can be wide-reaching, but particularly affects a child's social and academic progress. The sooner support can be put in place, the better. So what are some strategies for supporting your child to return to school? Dr Emma Woodward is the founder and director of the Child Psychology Service. Kia ora, Emma. Thanks very much for your time. How are you doing? It's a pleasure to be here. Good, thank you. Can you explain what school avoidance is and perhaps what the continuum is? Yes, certainly. There's no one factor that leads to school avoidance. School avoidance is a very common response to lots of things that could be going on for a child in their life. Specifically, coming out of lockdown, still we're seeing lots of kids struggling with getting back into the routine of going into school. And I think... There's so much overwhelm in the world today for kids and they don't know how to voice that, that home is their safe space. And actually, sometimes they just don't feel like they've got the ability to get themselves out into a space that they feel slightly challenged. So I I think the key thing to remember, I think a lot of people know it's school refusal and it's definitely not that. And I'm really pleased to hear you say emotionally based school avoidance because it is a deep emotional response, an anxiety response to doing something that they feel is going to overwhelm or threaten them. As opposed to someone, um, and we've perhaps all been guilty of it, uh, who just actually wanted a day off school or, or, didn't, or didn't want to be mm-hmm. there or whatever, we're talking about a different beast from that kind of you know, um, uh, lethargy that, that, that can happen from time to time. If we're talking about something more serious, what are the common signs? So your child probably will start. You'll get the grumbles in the beginning. So um, they're kind of like, don't want to go to school. You'll start noticing a general reticence to get up and go to school, get ready or involve, get themselves involved in the school morning routine. And then it will become more kind of um, forceful. They'll find it more and more difficult. They'll push back more and more or they become more lethargic and not want to um, engage with anything to do with school. And I think at this point, it can be really tricky for parents because generally we need to get up and get ready for work and you know it kind of interferes with our morning routine too but I think we need to stop and tune into our kids because the earlier that we recognize that something's going wrong with them the quicker we can do something about it now one of the worst things that we can do is give in and give them that time off school Um, if we know remembering that we're our children's best advocate if we know that school is a safe place and there isn't some underlying factors like bullying or a lack of sense of belonging or some kind of real strong learning issue going on for them um, and it is more to do with actually that transition from home their safe space into school where they're kind of the demands on them are going to be different then one of the worst things we can do is give in and help them avoid that situation because their brain needs to be in school to learn school is safe and okay and that they can cope with it so I think as parents what we can do is really tune into our children and validate their experiences and listen to what's going on for them but also remind them how capable and resilient they are and don't do that alone reach out to the school too because they have a massive role to play in supporting you it can be quite a chronic problem for some children the longer they avoid school the harder it is to return it is because what happens is children then become de-schooled. They've learned that their avoidant response works. You know, if you avoid something that makes you feel anxious, you get a temporary relief from that anxiety. 
And but what it does, that's a short term problem. But what that does mean in the future is that you don't learn that the things that you were worried about are actually safe. So then what happens is they forget that they have the capacity to be able to manage that situation and they become de-schooled and they feel safer at home and it becomes harder and harder and harder to overcome. So I think the quickest thing, the best thing to do if you know that your child is genuinely safe in school is to try and nip it in the bud and connect with school sooner rather than later so you can work on it together. How do you do that? Walk us through some steps. So I think the first thing to do is validate your child's feelings. So, for example, after 2020, my own son didn't want to go back to school um, and we really struggled with that. And I had to validate his feelings and re- deep dig deep into my own kind of toolkit um, and wear that dual hat as a parent and a psychologist. Um, so I validated his feelings. I kind of acknowledged that he was finding it difficult to go back. I helped him to remember some of the things that were positive about school to reframe and shift some of his mindset about some of the stuff that he was focusing on, um, pointed out some of the things that were important to him, like his friends and how much he liked his teacher. And then I also reached out to the school immediately too and said, hey, I'm struggling with this. Um, can we get our heads together and think about some ways that we can help my son feel safe again moving back into school um and so the sooner you do that the better really if you don't get the kind of response that you're expecting from school then ask somebody else you can go to the school senko um, and they will have lots of children in the past who've also struggled with this because it's a really common problem so don't try and deal with it alone and remember that you're not isolated in it what are the strategies that you work through then with your child? Uh, I imagine this is not a sort of a, a, a linear response. It's not a one day something's everything everything's going to be fine. How do you begin both to encourage and and actually to support a return to school? So what you would do is first acknowledge and validate that they're finding it difficult. You'd remind them of their capabilities and remind them of the things that are positive in school. As your child's best advocate, you would check that their concerns are more to do with anxiety and less to do with actual physical threats that are occurring in school, like bullying or feeling overwhelmed by the work. Um, So you would try and remove some of the obstacles off the runway. You'd connect with school. You'd ask them for help. And you would encourage your child as much as you can to get them to go to school. I think one of the biggest things for parents is that when it happens, we get overwhelmed by our own anxiety about it. Um, And we also then kind of struggle, especially in those mornings when it's very fractious already. Um, It becomes, you know, we kind of pile our own anxiety and our our own upset about them refusing to go to school. It's not a refusal. Um, And that makes the situation worse. So it's slowing everything down, acknowledging their feelings and clearing the obstacles off the runway and making a smooth plan with them about what they can do to get back to school and don't do that alone you have to reach out to the school to do that too so I would say some of the practical things that you can do are um, talk to them about some of the things they are particularly worried about Um, if there was something a lesson particularly that they were finding difficult it's more important that they're they're in school to access the stuff that they don't find too difficult then focus on that so remove that in the first instance and then slowly integrate it back when they're in school and settled again Um, talk with their staff about things that they've noticed too their observations might be quite different a lot of children don't struggle with being in school often it's the transition from home to school that's tricky and teachers will often say well he's fine when he's here Um, so I think sometimes it's about helping your child remember that they've got the capacity to do that too and making sure that their bucket is filled in other areas as well so giving them positive kind of opportunities after school and at the weekend so they feel like there's a lot of balance in their life they're getting some good stuff too 
Um, anxiety gets worse if you avoid things that make you feel anxious. So our job is to encourage them and remind them how resilient they are. Is it worthwhile going back for a half day or for three days a week at first? Or do you... It can be. Yeah, definitely. It can be. And it depends. And the reason that I'm kind of being so hesitant on some very practical strategies is that because every child avoid school generally for a different reason um and so you have to really know your child and work with the school and figure out a specific plan tailored to them and their particular needs um the main thing is is that you get them to school and into school so if that means you know they're there for the morning and they know that they can come home at lunchtime to start with but there's a clear structured timetable and they know that they're going to move up it's not that they get stuck at that particular step and they only start going to school for mornings you have to help them understand that this is a process and they are working towards reintegrating back to school full time. There's a level of needing to be firm and consistent as there often is and Mm -hmm. how do you know where that line is? How do you keep reinforcing the message and the way things happen? Well, I think having support of school and a clear plan helps because that provides framework but remembering that you are your child's best advocate and you know Generally, if you're communicating with your child well, you know when your child has reached their their limit. So involve them in the plan too. This is not something that's done unto them. They need to be very much in charge of it because when we're in control of something, we tend to feel less anxious. So we need to find their buy-in, their motivation, what is going to enable them to get across through the school threshold and then give them some control and power out of uh, putting them in the driving seat so they can be part of their return to school plan too. Um. If you are really genuinely concerned there is something negative going on for your child at school, then that needs addressing first. There is no point trying to send your school, your child to a school where they're actually physically unsafe. So is there a bullying issue? If there is a learning issue, then they need addressing first because that's not anxiety. That's an actual appropriate threat response to something that's going to harm them. It may be tempting, what, to change schools, to think that a change will f- fix this? Sometimes it does, absolutely. But try not to go, don't jump to that straight away. Um, I think you have to work through the process with them first. And you can always have that in your mind as if if not every organisation or not everywhere is a good cultural fit for you or your family. So you know that as a parent, but don't jump to that straight away. I don't think... I don't think jumping and changing the school immediately is the first point of call, but actually sometimes that is what is needed. Sometimes a school situation doesn't suit your child's learning needs and then you need to find somewhere that's more appropriate for them. Let's get They're into, relying on you. Let's get into some of the questions here that have come mm-hmm. in. I think they will be in line. We haven't talked about neurodivergent students. We haven't talked about bullying and that's uh, the subjects that have come through so far. Yeah. This email says, in my own case and in the case of my foster daughter, the issue was bullying and teasing. I didn't find mm-hmm. difficult lessons difficult per se, but socially things were a nightmare. I was forced to go to school, understandably, but the bullying was never addressed and I became physically ill. What does your guest yes. suggest for ways to address the problem of bullying? It's a rather complex issue, some to do with toxic school culture, some to do with poor and non-empathetic teaching staff, and some innate to the child suffering bullying. And bullying is largely, you know, one of the biggest reasons that kids avoid school and kids bully because they generally don't feel safe, Um, you know, and so that tells you something about that school community. It tells you something about those children's coping mechanisms dealing with their own big feelings. So I think ultimately your responsibility is to your child. And if you feel like your child is not safe at school because they're being bullied, then you need to address that. And one of the ways to address that may be to move schools.
Are schools getting better at addressing what had often been sort of dismissed as a rite of passage and we need resilience and we need sort of negotiation schools, uh, skills? Are they getting better at understanding that for some kids it goes well beyond needing to be resilient? Absolutely. I think schools are hugely taking on board the fact that we need to focus on children's well-being in order to enable them to use their thinking brain and make the most of the learning opportunities available to them. Um, so generally, there is a massive move towards that. Indeed, there is. And I think, you know, focusing on making a school community safe is the best way that you're going to get kids to learn and fulfil their potential. There are many, many schools that I work in who put that at the forefront of what, everything they do. And I'm really, really encouraged to see that. We still do have a long way to go. And obviously we can't and shouldn't remove every tiny little piece of adversity out of the way of our children. We need to know that we can work through tough things. But actually, we don't, even grown-ups don't work through tough things alone. And sometimes things can't be changed. So we need to find a different way to do it. Another question. My son has recently been diagnosed with a rare digestive disorder, so definitely has pain. But I feel mm -hmm. there's a huge avoidance component. The pain is serving him by allowing him to stay home from school and other activities, so part of him doesn't want to let go of the pain. Can you please suggest the best place for us to start to deal with this? I think the best place to start would be to go and get some um, tailored individual support to deal with that because it sounds more complex than kind of um, uh, something that we could discuss here. I think reaching out to school in the first instance would be great. But what you're talking about there is something called a secondary gain. So the secondary gain of his pain is that he doesn't have to do something else that challenges him. And so I think if you speak with or reach out to a psychologist or the school counsellor or the school to be able to put a plan in place that's specific to him, that's your best way forward but also understand that if he is uncomfortable then a lot of his coping mechanisms and resources are going to be used up dealing with that you know him best you know how to push him best but involve him and encourage him how best to get children or to help children with OCD to get to school this disorder is often overlooked and misunderstood it stops many children from getting to school again obviously this is individual and people will want their own mm -hmm. specific advice but in general where to start so if you have an official diagnosis of OCD for your child, you will have had psychological or um, support in the past or psychiatric support in the past. So I'd go back to your service provider and explain that this is continued symptom or presentation of what's going on for them and get support from them. Um, OCD is really tricky for kids to manage. It's a way of keeping themselves safe and they genuinely believe that things are going to harm them if they don't do certain things or certain situations. So I think you need to start from that point there that you're dealing with anxiety and focus on how you can build their inherent resilience. And one more question. Many students don't attend school due to school trauma and anxiety. Very common for neurodivergent students who aren't it getting is. the supports they need to feel safe, safe and understood. It isn't a matter of not want to, uh, but can't. I can't disagree with that statement. I think there's a huge amount of learning to, learn, to do in the education system around how neurodiversity shows up in the classroom and how to make sure that we can be neurodiverse friendly. Um, lots of kids who have uh, who are neurodiverse find everyday classroom environments, particularly modern learning environments, very difficult to be in. So if you're going to be going somewhere where you're going to feel completely out of your depth, overwhelmed, it's not set up to meet your needs and you're going to get sensory overload, it's a normal, understandable response 
to not want to go there. You wouldn't go to work under those circumstances. So in that case, you need to be able to kind of think, is this environment suitable for my child or is there something I can do to work with the school to help them understand their needs more effectively so we can make school a safer, more acceptable place for them? Emma, again, I'm conscious you're not going to give individual advice over the radio, but I think this mm. is um, probably, in principle, uh, an experience that many people are having. My 17-year-old should be finishing year 13, but hasn't been to school since March 2020. Depression, anxiety and OCD. Uh, this is the start of the first lockdown. He lies in bed all day looking at the laptop. He talks about doing correspondence in school next year and completing NCEA. I can't see any motivation or drive. Is there any point or should we convince him to try um, perhaps some kind of technical institute or the, the new polytech instead? Again, it's a very specific, specific case, but can you draw some principles for some starter advice? Well, I think the thing is, especially with a developing adolescent brain anyway, is that for grown-ups, we have a very different frame of reference. So this is kind of going, trying to get down and trying to understand that person's world or your child's world more generally. As grown-ups, we have a huge kind of frame of reference for times when we've overcome adversity in the past and some strategies and skills and resources that we've used to cope. And lots of children and young people haven't had that life experience yet, and yet they've gone through a life and a lot of situations recently that have overwhelmed their capacity to cope. And that's where we need to start. We need to find their buy-in. We need to re-spark their joy and their hope for for life for their world and I think sometimes that might not be starting with school if especially if somebody is in their room and they're not leaving and they seem to be very depressed it's about sparking joy in other areas of their life first. It's such a wise observation it's been made before that when you are older you have the context of history you know that frightening things happen and then we come out of them bad things happen and then we come out of them we can feel terrible for a while and then we can feel good again but with the pandemic and now with this war and with climate and everything else just piling on this generation um, in a short, in what is in their lives, a very long frame relative to the entirety of their lives, we have to understand why some and so many perhaps are struggling as they are. Indeed, it's it's been so much trauma after trauma for their generation. And I don't want to diminish their uh, their resilience. There's so many awesome young people who are taking great strides to cope with the kind of the cards their generation have been dealt with too. However, we need to understand that quite often school is probably way down in terms of being able to focus and function well. If they're feeling overwhelmed, the last place they're going to want to go is somewhere that's going to put more demands and pressure on them. And that's where we need to be thinking to start from first. We grew up in a different world. We grew up with a different set of values and different frames of references. And yes, school is hugely important. Education is hugely important, but our mental health and well-being is more important. So I think that's where we need to start because when we feel good, we tend to do well. Again, it's another wise observation you make. Like, I find my bandwidth is very narrowed based on where it was pre all this stuff. I find myself casting off anything that's not serving a very important purpose or isn't centrally important to me or making life better at the moment. Uh, whereas in different times, uh, I might be into all of it. And all of us are feeling a load and an anxiety in, 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 in dealing with what has been a challenging time. You can't be piling things on when you maybe need to be taking things off right now. It's challenging, however, isn't it, when you're worried about a key part of your um, young person's life which is getting them 
into a good, hopefully lifelong education, but getting them into a position where they can can do that, be in charge of that. Indeed, but I just also think, you know, you know your child best and absolutely it is ideal that we get our kids to go to school. And if you're starting to notice those early anxiety signs about your child refusing to go to school, then nip it in the bud and get in there. But if you've got a young person who is already anxious, depressed, finding it difficult to leave their room, then trying to start by forcing them to go to school and do something that's going to overwhelm their capacity even more is not good for their mental health and well-being. And as much as I believe in a good education, not everybody who does well goes through education well the first time. And we've got to protect our kids' mental health and well-being as front and foremost. Thanks so much. Emma Woodward is founder and director of the Child Psychology Service.